0: Welcome into another episode of ESPN's NBL podcast. My name's Kane Pittman and alongside me, my esteemed colleague and the man who just gets it done at this time of the year, really picks it up a few gears, gets into full throttle, free agency is right on the doorstep, Olga Nulich. And, uh, oh, welcome to the first podcast of NBL 24. Oh my God, it is. (laughs) I've,
1: I've stopped using the, okay, this is, okay, I gotta bring this up. There is... We're about to go into NBL 24, right? So we're about to start using hashtag NBL 24. Mm -hmm. Hashtag NBL 23 has now been overtaken by the Ugandan Basketball League. Mm. (laughs) And if you notice that I have, so I've got TweetDeck open. If you notice that my entire feed of hashtag NBL 23, just this African Basketball League, and I don't know how to react to it. I sort of want to lean into it a little bit because it's cool. They've just stolen the NBL hashtag, but... Hashtag NBL24. Very excited.
0: Well, we're going to get uh, on top of this. And that's why we're getting into NBL24 early. The grand final series, championship series only finished a week ago. But uh, as I said right from the top, everyone needs to keep their eyes and uh, their, their ears on this podcast, but certainly on espn.com.au because OGS uh, is dropping little updates. Follow him on Twitter and all the social stuff because. As I said, free agency starts next week, but there's been team options taken, not taken, uh, re-signings across the league. So it's a pretty exciting period of the year. And I think for the NBL as a whole, it has continued to grow this type of interest uh, in this part of the season. So we're going to break down a whole bunch of stuff. We've got some of the biggest names on the agenda for today. Xavier Cooks, Keanu Pinder, Luke Travers, Will McDowell-White and many more, including some of the the key role players, Ogs. maybe not the guys that were starting and dominating games this season, but guys that we think can go to teams and really help them win because they did it this year, even if it was in an understated role. So we're going to get through all of that. Uh, let's start with Xavier Cooks first though, and just break down some of the contract stuff. Uh, it was only a week ago, less than a week ago, mm-hmm. he was preparing for game five of the NBL championship series. And since then, he's won back-to-back titles. He's had a monster game in Game 5 with 19 points and 11 rebounds, jumped on a plane, gone to the NBA, and also made his debut for the Washington Wizards. So, fair to say, a decent week in the life of Xavier Cooks.
1: It's crazy how quick that turnaround has been. Um, like, it's it, the grand final ended less than a week ago, mm-hmm. and he was already in uniform playing for the Wizards. Granted, it was sort of it was the back end of that game. It was a blowout, whatever. But he hadn't, when I I texted his agent during the game, I was like, am I going to have to keep watching this Washington Wizards game? And it was, the the assumption was, look, he just got there. He hasn't practiced. There's no indication that he'll play other than the fact that he was active and suited up. Um, but they put him on and he sort of, he did his thing right away. He kind of got a tip out offensive rebound, got a defensive board. I thought there was there was like a glimmer of where I think he got a defensive board and he was about to push it. And go coast to coast in some sort of way, but I get it. It's his first NBA game. Like, just settle down. Um, but no, it's very cool to see him over there. The the contract details. Um, he initially we thought he had signed a two year deal, um, that ended up being a four year deal with obviously some caveats in there. Uh, the, obviously, the remainder of this season, uh, next season is fully guaranteed, and then he's got a non guaranteed year after that, and then a team option the year after that um so it's look the the fact that it is a four-year deal and the team has committed to maybe being invested in him until he's in his 30s is a very cool thing um but this at least gives him i, I guess like reason to it, it gives them reason to kind of look at him a little bit more closely you know you know if he has a good season next season then it's all right cool we have we could figure out whether we're going to guarantee him for that third year and, and then the team option too so this was a a really solid outcome. He was always looking for that multi-year. And so this was always this is probably the best case scenario as far as his contract goes.
0: Yeah, I was watching this Washington game myself and I was just praying for the blowout. I'm like, let's just have this a blowout because we <laughs> might get some Xavier Cook's time at the back end of this game because obviously coming straight off the plane, you don't think that he's going to get out there uh, and play big minutes. But the one thing we should say is the Wizards have had a pretty rough week and they're now 32 and 39, they're 12th in the East. So we might see in the back end of the season some real opportunity for him to play. As far as the deal goes, just a little bit of context around this, because as you said, next year, 2023, 24 being fully guaranteed is a big deal. And it doesn't always happen that way. We'll see guys from all around the NBA and they will get these multi-year deals uh, at the back end of the season. That's generally the way the teams like to do it, because if they're bringing someone in for the back end of the season, it gives them a little bit of control that if they see something that they like, they get them for cheap next season. but it isn't always fully guaranteed. Jock Landau is a good example of that. He had to play this season with Phoenix and get to a guarantee date in January. It was in early January. So up until that date in January, there's a little bit of anxiety around am I going to be kept yep. around? It costs the team nothing to cut me. So uh, for Xavier Cooks, that is really cool. And then for the Wizards, it's actually pretty smart because they've got a mature guy who is is ready made and can play. And if he does turn out to be a really good player, they've got him for very, very cheap dollars uh, moving forward for multiple years. <laughs> so uh, I think smart business by everyone and obviously exciting for, for Xavier.
1: Yeah, and I, I I said this to you off air, it, it feels just like a rookie deal. Yeah. Um, which and, and it's the sort of, you get, the player gets some level of security and the team gets a good level of control, I guess. And if Xavier Cooks ends up being a really quality NBA player, which is a reason to think he could, then it's nice for that team to have, you know, that their the ability just to make decisions on their own terms and that sort of thing. Um, this was I think this was as mutually beneficial a deal as as it can get. Because they didn't need to give a, a fully guarantee for that second year. You know, it's like you said, it's almost always a partial guarantee on that second year. So I think it's an absolute win-win.
0: Now, some very, very sharp business from all parties concerned there. But what it does do for the Sydney Kings, and uh, you know this as well as anyone you've been up there, you've been in and around the the movers and shakers with the Sydney Kings. Uh, But I remember catching up with them months ago and they were uh, sinking their teeth into it when I was talking to Luke Longley for a story I did months ago. He he said that they were already planning for what uh, is going to come next. We understand that's the case. But if you take away the key cog from this team and we can get to the import stuff, But Xavier Cooks was the engine and he was the key piece for this team for stylistically uh, what they tried to do uh, on this roster. And obviously it worked out pretty well with back-to-back titles. Uh, What are you hearing about the Sydney Kings and how they're going to approach this? And then we'll get into why or why not potentially some of the bigger names could fit in that uh, what they have used as the prime local slot uh, over the last couple of seasons.
1: So this, the Kings are in a, a really unique situation where they practically have their entire bench locked up. And so they have, they've had this bench for a few years now and that's helped them win back, back to their titles. And so that's locked in. So for them, it's practically just retooling their entire starting lineup effectively. Um, that's what this free agency is for them. Um, there is there's, There are pros and cons to losing Xavier Cooks. The obvious con is you're losing arguably the best player in the league. The guy who you know that if you build around him, uh, it is demonstrated that you can win a title. They went back to back titles, very cool. The the pros are that that's a lot of money at the books. That you know you could that Xavier Cooks money you could split that up, split that in two and get two all all-NBL level imports, right? So that's one of the pros you get from that. The other is you don't have to build around Xavier Cooks now. Um p- part of this past offseason was all right. We have Zave there. What do we do? All right, we need that that five man has to be a stretch five. That's sort of like a non-negotiable when you have Xavier Cooks in that lineup, especially if you're gonna get someone like Justin Simon. Um, and so now they don't have to do that. Now it's it's a blank slate that Chris Pongrass in that front office can can you know start to go through all the free agents available, figure out how they want to play, like how they want to exist, and sort of just start anew. Um it is there is something unique about building around a non-shooter. It's it's a really weird thing you have to do. I think that, I assume that the Bucks had to go through this when Giannis wasn't the, the confident shooter that he is now, I guess, where well, you have to build around that. You have to take Giannis for what he is, which was, you know, the best player in the league. And, you know, you can build an awesome team around that. That's sort of what the Sydney Kings had to do with Xavier Cooks. Um, and so that's something that they don't have to do anymore. They get to just figure out, okay, who's the best one, two, three, four, five, and just, and just go from there. All
0: right, so let me preface this before I outrage any fans across the NBL. If it was up to me and I had some sort of pull or sway on what these big-name free agents do in the offseason, I would say in a perfect world, if all things were even, I want to see Pinder back in Cairns. I want to see McDowell White back in New Zealand because I, I like what those two teams did, and I want those teams to have a chance to really go again and and, and run it back and see if they can contend for a title again in uh NBL 24 Pinder though is a butt coming well I, I'm just but I also am realistic about this and I understand that Melbourne and Sydney and Perth these teams are going to be trying to get these guys so Pinder in Sydney so many people have made uh the the easy or they've tried to piece it together and say okay well let's uh, Sydney just go get Pinder you'll, you'll have one of the better locals uh in the league again uh what do you think is trending with the pinder situation and cairns and or perhaps elsewhere
1: so let's like let's knock two things out of the park uh keanu pinder is not xavier cooks uh it is not a like there is no like for like replacement there uh cooks is a different level uh so that's that um the other thing is there's there's a sense that the king's maybe don't want to run it back with two non-shooters on the floor. Um, and so if they do get Justin Simon, which I'm told there is some mutual interest there, then do you get a Kiami Pinder who granted has been shooting it well in his two games in the ACB so far, but was effectively a non-shooter this past season in the NBL. Like, do you want two non-shooters again? Is that something that you want your team to go through? Um, so like, that's one part of it. The other part is, yeah, he is one of the elite locals, uh, on the market. And so it it would, it would be irresponsible to not take a stab at him if you can go and get him uh, with Pinder. He is, you know, he's played two games in the ACB for Labrada. They've been really good so far. And I wonder if there is a sense that that is almost like a trial for the rest of Europe, right? Australia has seen him. And so, you know, we have an idea of what his game is. But now all of Europe gets to see him, and so if he plays well at Fuenlabrada, he might get a big money offer from, let's say, it's a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or, a, or one of these high-level Euro teams that can outprice an NBL team. And so it, it wouldn't. This is sort of this feels like a weak way out, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's an NBL team who puts a bigger offer on the table, and Pinder says, "Yeah, absolutely." It would. It would feel more likely though that he waits it out. And, and just waits to see what sort of high-level opportunities there are down the track and and just waits and potentially goes and steals one of those jobs.
0: Yeah, if I actually just looked at the entire NBL and say, okay, where does the fit make sense? Because I tend to agree. I actually don't think it would be a great fit uh, with Sydney. And yeah, I'm not sure if that's the spot for him. But then again, hey, if they throw some cash at him and he's, he's excited by that opportunity, good for him. Last year, 182 of 236 of his field goal attempts came at the rim. He was actually only 56% of those. He was a high volume free throw guy. And he had a couple of games where uh, he got to the free throw line a lot, but 56% at the rim is actually 3% below uh, league average. And and the other thing is in addition to not being a huge threat and he actually knocked down a few threes, it was really low volume, but the defense wasn't really accounting for him out on the three point line. I think that's fair to say. The other thing is that he is a huge usage guy. The only guys in the league that had, a higher usage percentage than Pinder out of the guys that actually played Barry Brown, Craig Randall, Tajia McCall, actually his teammate, who a lot of the times we saw play in different lineups and Adam Forbes was able to mix and match. Uh, Milton Doyle, Rajon Tucker, Bryce Cotton, Mitch Creek, Tyler Harvey, and then Rashad Kelly. So you're talking about very, very different style yeah. of players. So to bring Pinder into the Kings, we've seen him have success that when he's playing, he's dominating the ball, he's, he's, trying to play that bully ball and get to the rim and be a physical presence. I'm not sure that that's exactly the way the Kings play. So I don't know if that's a fit. So I think he, if he stays in the NBL, the two options that make sense, forget the money, forget the offers, but the two situations that just make sense to me would be stay in Cairns or go to Perth. Perth has wanted a big man. They've wanted someone that can, they can really lock down that five spot that they haven't had for a few years. Now we've spoken about different guys. Perth might look at with GAC and those types of things. But those are just the two options to me that that stand out in my head.
1: I agree. Um, and, and look, he, he's going to get offers from a bunch of places. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if a team like, let's say, Illawarra gets in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're also one of those situations where you put him next to Sam and is that something that is sustainable over a season, having effectively two non-shooters on the floor at the same time? Um, at the very least, you know, you're winning every rebound battle and Keanu is was a really switchy big. And so you can there are some really versatile, versatile lineups you can play with Pinder in the lineup. But I agree, Perth makes sense as far as uh, that opening for a, a defensive sort of athletic big. They definitely need something like that. I'm told that they're probably leaning toward getting an import in that spot. Um, but if Pinder's available, and, and this is a conversation we'll have as this podcast goes on, as far as, you know do you get an import who is obviously elite over a, a local player who is elite and there are obviously contract machinations there that make one uh, more palatable than the other um yeah outside of perth it's a weird there's pinder's a weird fit for a lot of teams just because of his skill set he's clearly he was clearly elite this season but it's it's a it's not a, he's not a guy that you can just plug and play i feel like in order for him to be that effective you have to put some effort into you know um you know kind of drawing that production out of him
0: yeah i don't think he's in terms of guys that play the five spot there are guys like pardon who didn't have a major role in the offense but can be a guy that hits the offensive glass finishes lobs hook porty probably going to be the same with melbourne united mm. he, he these guys don't need the ball they don't need the offense funneled through them whereas pinder kind of does or he certainly did this year when he had success with Cairns. so that's why it's interesting because if a team goes and gets pinder they probably are doing so with the intention of him being that guy and by the way pinder should want that role because he's proven that he can do it as well so it's going to be fascinating to see. Now, you asked me something last night when we were just chatting, as we like to do, old. We just we
1: we talk hoops and we chit chat. We're, we're th- friends. We're friends. This isn't a show.
0: No, no, no. This is this is real life chemistry built over multiple years of mateship. <laughs> <laughs> so you said. Uh, so you said, is the four position going to be as as important with Cooks gone? So. If I think about it this year and we go back to our all NBL debates and we were getting into it and I was getting fired up about the fact that it's too hard to pick these teams because if you think about the fours and fives in the league, but specifically the fours, obviously Cooks, Mitch Creek, uh, DJ Hogue, Jarrell Brantley, Robert Franks, but Cleveland sometimes can, can play. There was It was star-studded at that position. So it's a difficult question to answer because I don't know who is going to be back out of those guys. Shout out to Jarrell Brantley. He signed a 10-day back with the Utah Jazz as well. Hopefully that works out for him. Selfishly, we'd love to see him back in the NBL as well. Uh, but uh, so I, I sat back last night over a cup of tea and I thought to myself, okay, well, the, the big question for Sydney, and we'll get into the the one spot a little bit later, but the big question for them is can they play the same style of basketball with someone that's playing the four spot, or do they need to overhaul completely what they're doing? Now, we already know there's some uncertainty with the coaching spot as well, that could change things. So maybe philosophically things will change, but can they play the same way, a brand of basketball that we know has had success in the NBL? Now there is, I don't think there's a Xavier Cooks that's just right there, but there is one guy that at least stylistically is pretty similar, very similar size, also a local guess. guess. Who do you think I'm talking about?
1: Are you, are you talking are you about Luke Travis?
0: It's exactly who I'm thinking about. So you <laughs> so you put Luke Travis on the rundown as a discussion point. Good season with Perth this year, but I always found myself wanting to see more of Luke Travis. He was a pretty efficient scorer on the season, 60% finishing at the rim, 41% from three on low volume, assist percentage at 18% which is a, a pretty decent number for a guy that plays the the four, essentially. For reference, Xavier Cook's assist percentage was about 23. And I do think stylistically, they are guys that have a fair few similarities with the way they can be used if they are maximized in a role. So what is the expectation with Luke Travers?
1: Uh, Luke Travers is, again, sound like a broken record. He's going to take his time. You know, he's never been a free agent before. Uh he will listen to the offers uh that are that will be in front of him. And there's there'll be a ton of offers. Um because of his I think the his versatility at the position obviously helps, but I think shooting 40 plus percent from downtown over the season helps too. Um that's where and I don't want to make this podcast so Sydney-centric, but I really I do like if if there was a if there's a like for like replacement for someone like Xavier Cooks, Luke Travers is not at that level yet. But I I do like the skill set. Like I like how that I would like that transfer of skill sets um, because both are I think elite connectors. And I think if you put good players around them, they can be connectors in that way. And, and I think that's where Xavier Cooks was the most elite. And I think that's where he's, that's what his role in the NBA is going to be as well. Um, I don't think Luke Travers has that, plays with the same force that Xavier Cooks does. Uh, he doesn't have that same like MVP ability just yet. Um, but I think he has the ability to be complementary as a shooter, as a cutter in a way that Xavier Cooks perhaps doesn't. And so, and you're not paying as much for him. And so let's say you get that bulk of Xavier Cooks money. You're maybe giving half of that to Luke Travers. And then the other half, you know, you can go and get another MVP. You could probably go and pay Jalen Adams if you want to. So imagine a, a, a Sydney lineup that has, let's, I'll say Jalen Adams just for the sake of it, right? Because you, you can probably pay him with that Cook's money off the books. That has Jalen Adams, Luke Travers, Bill, and, and Justin Simon. Build around that. You can go, let's say it's DJ Vasilievich, and then you go get any big. I don't care. You go get an import big, go get, start Geordie Hunter. I don't care. That's a really, really quality lineup, just as far as the, the pieces and the balance. And... If, if assuming Chase Buford remains the coach, that's still a team that can run. Um, Luke Travers is still that guy who can like that Xavier Cooks type, who can get the ball off the rim and push it. Or if it's not Chase Buford, that's still a really balanced lineup with it with that can basically play four out and would have an elite player at the point and then someone like Luke Travers at the four who can beat X Factor too. I I would like the fit. Whether it's whether they think he's ready to kind of take that next step up in his career and you know, be closer to being the guy as opposed to in Perth where he was like almost a sixth man. I don't know, but I, I like the I like the kind of swap as far as the skill sets go.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, and obviously significantly younger. So the direct comparison, it's just more purely stylistically. Now, uh, as you mm. said, a lot of this has been Sydney focused because of the fact that you, know, you lose the, the league MVP. Hey, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but let's try and cater to some of our other fans around here and uh, the Perth Wildcats fans are outraged right now, even that, that discussion. So I, I think part of the problem was that for Perth, and I've said this many times, I mean, I, I, just, I don't know personally if I'm And New Zealand did it and it worked very well, but the, the import big pairing of manic and Thomas, I, I think part of the problem was that that made that having those two guys and understanding that if you're going to invest in the two imports, you want them to play big minutes, I think that hurt Luke Travers so if I'm Luke Travers I'm saying I'm signing to a place that is going to play me a major role and I'm going to have an opportunity to really develop and not play these sporadic minutes and not be in weird lineups where we don't have any defense at the five spot. so is, is it a, is it a chance that he returns to Perth and they shuffle the decks a little bit to to get him uh, more to the forefront what's your sense there
1: There is a chance. And from everything I've been told up until this point, the conversations have been fairly positive between Travers and the Wildcats. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he returns. Um, But I I completely agree with what you're saying. If let's say they have a desire to bring Brady Manick back or an import in that position, then if you're Luke Travers, that's, that's a legitimate thing to think about, which is I am 21. uh, It would be great for me to, you know, have that, type elite season which then can propel me to join the Cleveland Cavaliers who drafted me two years ago that would be a nice thing to be a part of and so whether that's with I'm trying to think of teams that have openings at that four spot whether that's a Melbourne right where you can slot into that lineup you play with an elite shooter like Golding an elite kind of uh, vertical lob threat like Huck Portian if they go and get Marcus Lee or whomever you know at least you can be slot into a starting lineup somewhere and and show what you can do on a consistent basis whereas He didn't really get that in Perth this season. And unless they're willing to commit to doing that for him, then you understand if he wants to potentially play elsewhere. Um, If I were him, I'm 21. He was supposed to take that leap this season. He took a leap in some areas, but he just didn't take the extent of the leap that we thought he would. Um, If I'm him, I want to go somewhere where I am put in the best position to take that leap.
0: Yeah. I had someone, who has a pretty prominent role with a team, that's all I'll say through the season, say to me that uh, when they play Perth, it is just obviously clear to them that Travers was the second best player on the Perth roster, but they just couldn't couldn't figure out a way to maximize him, which uh, I tend to agree with. We discussed that through the season. So I'd be fascinated to know how Wildcats fans feel about Luke Travers and if they're desperate to have him back. Obviously, he's been there a long time. They're really proud of the growth he he has had. So I'll be fascinated to see what happens with Luke Travis. Will McDowell-White still coming up? That's going to be a big talking point. Before we do that, though, let's let's change course a little bit and hit some of the role players from around the league. Drimich, what are you... Now, you obviously uh, reported uh, last week, I think it was, that it doesn't look like he's going to return to Adelaide if that's the case. Uh, What are your expectations with Drimich? Because over the course of the season... As I go through the numbers now, he's 31 years old, so he's he's a little bit older. But let's face it, 31 is uh, you got plenty left in the tank at this point in time uh, playing basketball. You did. You're, you're saying that
1: because you're 31, but go on.
0: Well, I'm 32, which is very depressing.
1: Uh, no, I'm, no I'm, more left in the tank.
0: I am on the downhill spiral. This might be the last podcast <laughs> I ever do. If I get fired after this, it's been <laughs> nice hanging out with you, Ogs. But Anthony Jermich, we expect that he he's a guy to me that can really have an impact on a winning team. For all the turmoil that went down in Adelaide this year, uh, the Adelaide 36ers outscored teams by 2.9 points per 100 possessions with Dreamich on the floor, which was number one for the 36ers. And I wrote about it a couple of times through the season. Rather than mixing and matching the lineups and trying to stuff around and find the, the best five, just play this man a little bit more because generally uh, things went well when he was out there.
1: Yeah. He, now he had a down year from three, but he I think he was, had a career high shooting twos, um, and yeah, like we spoke about it throughout the season, he was sort of their only consistent bright spot throughout the entire season. Um, I thought he was defensively fine. Uh, what I was told was that he had a mutual option for this coming season. Uh, they both opted out of that with the intent on renegotiating. No, those negotiations broke down. Mm-hmm. So now he's looking elsewhere. Um, you know, one team that I'm told is expected to show a tonne interest. Jack Jumpers will show interest in him. Um, Love it. It would that, and so th- that's one of the teams I'm told will show interest. He again, he's. We're going to talk about some of these role players, and they're so important because we look at this grand final series, for example. You know, Jordy Hunter helped win the Sydney Kings some games. Angus Glover, we couldn't speak more highly of, uh, in our grand, uh, game five wrap up. Um, even for New Zealand, someone like Rob Lowe was unbelievably important for that team. And so dreamick is one of those guys who, let's say come a semi-final or grand final series, he will be part of your rotation. He will be a guy who you will have to rely on to uh, sit down and guard and uh, hit shots, right? And he has the capacity to do, to do both. Uh, he's a solid kind of leader locker room guy as well. You know, he's someone who, if you're one of those teams in that top four you're gonna he will be part of your rotation he's that level of player i think um so yeah it's, it's weird that the 36ers weren't able to come to terms with him um but yeah he will be elsewhere um and yeah there are a bunch of guys like him in this free agency and i feel like we're just gonna see like a big like a swap of a lot of those sort of role playing rotation guards
0: you need them. You need those local guys coming off the bench that can really help. Isaac White is an interesting one. Came to the Jack Jumpers as an injury replacement at the start of the season. Now this guy is this guy is Jack Jumpers. Yeah. I actually <laughs> want to see him stay there, and I don't know how it's going to work out or what might happen with him. Probably the big sticking point, if if it's just me, if I'm pretending that I'm Isaac White uh, for a moment here, the sticking point is just the fact that. He he probably wants to play with more regularity because I think he proved this year again that he the advanced stuff great when he's on the floor the jack jumpers were winning those minutes uh, we've seen him have big moments in the playing game he probably would feel like he should be getting the Jared Weeks minutes as well and they were both at around 11 minutes per game so for Isaac White he's probably thinking I want to play every night and I'll, I I kind of want to be a 15 minute a night guy. He was an efficient scorer on very low volume, but I think more than anything it would come down to opportunity, it would feel like.
1: Yeah, he and he's had that so he's been in the league for three years now. Uh and his minutes his opportunity has been inconsistent every single season. And what would be annoying for him is that when he did hit the floor, he was largely effective and yeah. the team was generally better. Um so that would be a frustrating thing. And so whether he wants to go through that again is is Obviously, big question going to the free agency. The Jack Jumpers do want him back. Um, there are a ton of teams around the league. I'm told who are preparing um, offers for him. He will get relatively significant offers, um, probably for more than one year. So that's that again. Like that, that is the question. You know, he is a guy who, like a Drimmick, like a we'll talk about a Tanner Krebs or even a, a Kyle adnam These are guys who you know could when the grand final or when a, when a playoff series comes around. These guys can play rotation minutes. Uh, someone like Isaac White can guard and he can he will hit shots for you. Right. If 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 you're let's say a Sydney and Xavier Cooks gets doubled in the post, you know, you you've got to rely on these ancillary players to, to do that job. And, you know, these are the sorts of guys that do it. And so, yeah, if if you're Isaac White, well, I think that's the priority to, to try to chase the most consistent minutes because he still has to continue to prove himself as, you know, one of the kind of Um, main role players in the NBL. And if there's somewhere where he can play 15 to 20 minutes consistently, it'd be really tough to turn that down.
0: All right, last role player I want to get to because we're running out a bit of time here and I want to get to Will McDowell-White. Kyle Adnam, you did just mention that. So we spoke about the Phoenix a lot through the year. Wasn't always well-received by those in Phoenix land that the bench had some shaky moments. The number that- The bench was bad,
1: Kane. Yeah, yeah. The the... The bench wasn't very good.
0: Yeah, well, the number I always come back to with all the injuries that the Phoenix had and the lack of games they had their starters for the third most five man lineup across the entire NBL for the season was the Phoenix starters, um, which is just kind of staggering. So that just tells you when the Phoenix had their five guys, they were playing them, and there wasn't a lot of time for the bench to come in and be on the floor, adding them 34% from the field, 31% from three. So his efficiency was down as well. But you know, obviously a really well liked and respected guy in the locker room. What do you what do you expect there? And does anything change, um, you know, with, with a with a head coach who they haven't announced yet?
1: Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Carl Adnum returns. Uh, from conversations with other teams, uh they're under the impression that Adnum will be available. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was it was these, the Owen Foxwell re-signing, it's so—it's so, it's independent to Adnam, but it's sort of telling in that Foxwell is someone who, no matter who the next head coach is, they are very comfortable having Owen Foxwell on that roster. Um, they are waiting to re-sign or to have those conversations with Adnum because there's no guarantee that wh- whomever the new head coach would want Adam on the roster. Um, he feels like in that Simon Mitchell mold, which is, yeah, there's still probably good at that job but just the the destination just got a bit stale i think and it probably feels like it, it's best for everyone if there was a parting ways um and you know adam found somewhere else because he can still be effective oh, yeah. um, in the same way that simon mitchell could still be effective somewhere else but just the situation probably ran its course um i don't i don't know how adam could be effective on the southeast melbourne phoenix i'm sure he can be effective other places um but yeah, I, I don't see him returning to, to Southeast.
0: Well, the Phoenix, for me, are just one of the hardest teams to read because we don't really know a lot about much of what they're going to look like in NBL 24. So they're definitely a team that I'm curious about uh, what happens over the next couple of months. Let's get to Will McDowell-White, similar to the Keanu Pinder conversation. In a perfect world for me, I want to see this guy <laughs> back in New Zealand and probably similar to Keanu Pinder. My sense would be, that there are, and I've heard you say before, almost every team in the league is putting their hand up and at least you know uh, inquiring about the services of uh, Young Will. But if I'm McDowell White, I'm only going to a team that is going to put me in a prominent role and say, "Yeah, you are the guy that is steering the ship for this offense because we've seen you do it on the biggest stage and have some big moments." I I, I don't know whether McDowell White wants to go to a situation where it's like, hey, okay, you're kind of sharing the guard role. Uh, maybe you've come off the bench. Certainly that's not going to be something that he's interested in. So I would argue that the safest and, and most obvious choice is to stay in New Zealand. But he also mm-hmm. needs to go to a place where he might want to cash in, old.
1: Well, that's the thing. And I don't think... Pinder is not in the same situation as Travers. Uh, sorry, not Pinder, McDowell. McDowell is at a different level as far as what he's demonstrated so far. So if if it, there are a bunch of teams preparing offers for McDowell-White, they will be significant offers, and the expectation is offering him the sort of money that will be well, on Pinder, the table for him.
0: I, I will jump in and say Pinder was, and you, I don't think you totally agreed throughout the season, but Pinder was in the MVP conversation. Will McDowell-White. Oh, no. Built as the season was. Went on. but I mean, I think they're in. Yeah, I mean, the, the money might be different, the age is different, the role is different, but they both had big, big seasons.
1: Yeah, so, so on that, so there is a, there's a good, there's a chance that Pinder gets, and when money isn't public, but there's a good chance Pinder gets paid more than McDowell White this offseason. Right. That's very possible. Cause like you said, Pinder was MVP level guy. McDowell White is just, is unique because. Uh, you can build a team around him effectively. Um, And if you, the the amount of money that's generally spent on an import point guard, if you can spend similar money on McDowell White, and that's money that you can marquee, there's just so much value you get out of a starting, out of a local guy who can staff you at the point. Uh, That's where McDowell White's value gets super unique. Um, I, I think wherever he goes, and it very well could be New Zealand. I think they're, in the driver's seat to be honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but wherever he goes they they uh, whomever runs that uh team will put a team around him They the expectation would be okay the ball is in your hands go right and so that's that's one part of it the other part is whether and it's a conversation that some teams are having internally which is is that what we want so this grand final series mcdowell white Derek walton jr you know who would you rather Let's say come the grand final. Would you rather your elite point your elite import point guard, or would you rather a McDowell White? Um, who, to be honest, he wasn't McDowell White averaged 10, 5, and 5 over the course of the season on sub 30% three-point shooting, right? So a lot of this is there's a lot of recency bias here as far as him doing really well against the drops coverage, and he did extremely well. Um, and the, and a ton of it is still looking at his ceiling because his ceiling is still so high. He's a six-five, six, six point guard who can come off on balls in an elite way but there is a question on what would you rather would you rather pay mcdowell white marquee him and build around that and have some flexibility through your roster or get an import point guard get a let's say a bryce cotton more of a shooting but a bryce cotton or a jalen adams or a derek walton jr and build around that and you know that you're probably going to have the best player on the floor at all times
0: yeah the sydney matchup was interesting in the grand final because if you just go through the the shot profile for McDowell White, you mentioned the three-point stuff. Uh, he was 51% at the rim on the season, which obviously isn't great, but he was elite in the floater range. And across the course of the season, he was 54% yep. in those in that floater range, which is insane efficiency. At well, 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 well above league average, uh, even though the volume wasn't massive. So that's definitely the area he can operate. If you're just straight up asking me, it, it depends on, on the talent you've got on the roster. So for the breakers next year, they'll need to find a way and i don't know how they do it because they obviously had a great mix and they were within a few minutes of winning a championship so they might not feel like they need to change a lot of things but we forecasted it before before the series even started And we went through the numbers the reasons why they didn't have the offensive options that not only could uh get overcome the kings but maximize what mcdowell white can do like if mcdowell white is your guard he's not necessarily a scoring guard but he wants to facilitate and then he can ask questions because he can score in the in-between range. But McDowell-White on a team with more offensive options that are happy to play off the ball, which I'm not so sure Barry Brown was, then you're really cooking with gas. And that's where McDowell-White can go to another level yet again as a as a pure point guard and um, that can dominate games.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But we also saw the way Derek Walton Jr. took over down the stretch. Um, and we've seen that with point guards over the years, and I wonder if this league, you know, we spoke about those power forwards and how important that position was this past season. I wonder if this league is about to go back to those elite point guards coming in. You know, I wonder whomever Brisbane signs is their elite point guard that they're chasing, assuming they don't get McDowell White. You know, that guy. Whoever, if, if Sydney again chooses to opt away from McDowell White and gets an import. I wonder if it's these guys that are going to start to dominate the league again. And if that's the case, are you going to want one of those or are you going to want to build around McDowell White, which feels sustainable over the course of the season. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a question that teams are asking right now. And which direction do we want to go? Um, Because obviously the, the flexibility McDowell White gives you is also unique. You know, you, that means that you can get an import in another spot. It means that you can marquee, uh, that McDowell White contract, which means that he just costs way less on the cap. Whereas you know, if if McDowell White costs two hundred thousand a cap, or you're going to pay four hundred thousand for an import, that's you get a lot of flexibility with McDowell White. But is that the is that the the best way to go and win a championship?
0: Well, they almost did, but uh, obviously he took a massive step this season. Yeah. And and just to to wrap it up, I, I think we see teams lean into individual brilliance in the final minutes of big time games rather than let's run a really functional offense and get to a floater or drive and kick out to the three-point shooter and the breakers were pretty methodical but then we also saw at times in the fourth quarter where it was Barry Brown and and this is the Barry Brown show I'm going to isolate and I'm going to try and knock down a three we saw Derek Walton do it last year we saw Jalen Adams do it and Ian Clark do it so that is just the way games tend to trend late in games it's the individual shot makers and scorers that can do that the big thing for Will McDowell-White is, is he a guy that can that can step up and knock down threes? We saw him do it in game four twice in the fourth quarter when the game and the season was on the line. So that is obviously the next development for him as well. But it's going to be fascinating. I mean, we've spoken about some of the big, big names. Uh, we're going to continue to run through this podcast as the weeks go on, because we know Organ's going to have all the news. And as I said from the start, go to ESPN.com.au, follow him on all the social stuff. You'll be able to find him. And... Uh, keep up to date with it, Oggs, because you're going to be a busy, busy man.
1: I am. Free agency, you know, options can be confirmed March 27. Free agency kicks off March 30, 9 a.m. So I don't know if we'll get deals that day. There'll be some deals that day. Stay tuned.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. We just we discussed this last year with the import stuff. A lot of the times teams have to wait for the big names, unless they're re signing guys, but they need to wait for Summer League and the end of the NBA season and see who's out there and who's available. Because uh, yeah, the season just finished. The NBA is just starting to heat up. Xavier Cooks, Darrell Brantley over there. Hopefully uh, they get some stuff done here in the next couple of weeks. All right, let's wrap this up. Another good one in the books. The first podcast of NBL 24. at Pace yourself, Olgen. It's going to be a long season. We've got 12 months of this season to get through.
1: <laughs> 12 months. It all begins now. Hashtag NBL 24. Let's do it. <laughs> See
0: you guys next week.